Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for divine appointments. We thank you that this is a night on heaven's calendar. And so we just um, connect with your agenda right now in Jesus' name. And we just declare that everything that's on your heart for every single person here tonight is being released and being received and that we are on your agenda. And uh, we thank you that you've got words of life for every person here tonight. You've got words in due season. You've got answers. You've got direction. You've got correction. You've got uh, whatever it is that we need, Father. You've got healing. You've got prophetic words. You've got signs and wonders. So, Holy Spirit, you, you are the source of everything that we need in our lives. And so we just draw on you. We connect and we draw. And we just I just declare, Lord, that everybody in here is just a professional receiver. I thank you that you have enlarged our hearts to receive more just and experience more, Father. I thank you that we, this is not a, uh, we don't have a theoretical Christianity. But, Father, we have an experiential Christianity. We experience the power of Jesus' resurrection. We experience the power of the new creation. We experience the spirit that lives within us the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. Father, I think that you're taking us from from knowledge and understanding to experience. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that there's all kinds of needs and situations going on in people's lives in the room tonight, Lord, but I thank you that you're right in the middle of every detail. I thank you that you are leading and guiding every person step by step into uh, really just a manifestation of your goodness and your glory. And we thank you, Lord, that um, you're working everything out for our good. No matter what the situation is, you promised that it works. things work together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And so we just thank you for the good. And we receive the good. We receive the good. And uh, we thank you, Father, for eyes that see beyond the scene and ears that hear from you that we have awakened spiritual senses, and that we are communing with you tonight, Father, from the inside out. And we bless uh, just the evening together. We bless the word. We bless every aspect of our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I wanted to start with a few testimonies tonight to see if anybody's had any just breakthroughs that have been happening since we've started these Sunday nights. I'll kind of give a little bit of background, you know, just... Kind of running into May, I guess. We were wrapping up our uh, Emerge School of Transformation, which is a, a school that we do here on Tuesday nights. And I felt like the Lord was just talking to me about the summer months. And uh, I really don't know. I'm really on this thing. Really, my ministry, I think, is on this thing. I don't know that's ever going to get off. Uh, but it's really about, you know, it's not, to me, it's not enough to believe, it, I don't know when I say this, but let me say this, it's not enough to believe the gospel. It's not enough to hear the gospel. And I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, it's enough to get you, you know, in the kingdom. It's definitely enough to get you in the kingdom. But I believe that each of us is called to be a manifestation of the kingdom. I believe that we're called to actually demonstrate that Jesus is alive, that he is an actual person, that the gospel actually happened, And that even though he is invisible, he is alive in every single person that confesses him as Lord. And I think there should be evidence of that. I don't think it should just be something that we talk about. I don't think it should just be some kind of apologetics that we get in some kind of debate with people. I think it should actually be a living, breathing. There should be proof in our lives. I feel like we should be uh, living above the curse. We should be living epistles. We should be people that that when then they look at, they, they just are astounded by the blessing that is on our life. We should be overcomers. We should be happy. We should be joyful. We should be having fun. We should be living above circumstances. Uh, Not that we don't have circumstances, but we shouldn't be under those circumstances. And so the fact that, I don't know, for me, I'm really about just this manifestation of Christ in us, this manifestation of the kingdom and about what's inside being released so it can be seen on the outside. And I know for me, I, I lived the majority of my life, I mean, it is the majority of my life because I haven't lived double that age. But um, so the majority of my life, I mean, I believed in the gospel message. I believed that Jesus died on the cross. I, you know, I heard the very basic salvation message, and I believed Jesus was who he said he was. But I had never seen the miraculous. I had never um, really 
seen anyone operate in the, really the power of God. And if I did, I thought I had you know, just weird thoughts about all of that. And the bottom line is, is that it was really not until my 30s that I started connecting with really the power of, of Jesus, that it is actually here, that it's available to us. And it's, it's um, not just available to us, it's uh, I, I, the Holy Spirit is standing by, <laughs> you know, like, let me in, coach. Let me in, coach, you know, just ready to move, as ready as he's ever been. He's, he's ready right as, as he's ever been. He's as ready now as he was when the Father said, let there be light. Like, he is ready to move. He is ready to manifest heaven on earth. He is ready right now. Ready. Ready, Freddy. You know? And so I, the question is, are we? <laughs> the question is, are we ready, Freddy? Are we ready to to step out and, and do the same works that Jesus did and, and greater works and live lives that um, are just a testimony to the fact that he's alive rather than just have a message. You know, the, we don't live in a, in a culture right now that needs a message. You know, we, they don't need a message. You know, they need an experience. They need an encounter. They need, they need to be brought face to face with, with Jesus that's alive. And we don't do that through, I mean, not that there's not a place for talking, but, you know, Paul said that his preaching and his teaching were in power and demonstration of the Spirit. And that's, that's what we need to be operating in our lives. So coming into this, this summer, I felt like the Lord was also, I mean, that's part of it. It's just we need to step into a greater manifestation of the supernatural in our lives. Okay, that's part of it. Secondly, it was that there have been some long-standing either promises or long-standing battles or just, you know, giants, whatever you want to call them, mountains, whatever you want to call them, just things that we have, various people, various ways, have struggled with for a long time. And I felt like, well, the Lord specifically said, you know, we're not anointed, we're not anointed to run, and we're not anointed to sit, right? We're anointed to face the giant. We're actually anointed to take that thing head on, and it, it's not because we're so physically or in our natural abilities all wise or even know what we're doing, honestly. It's not that we're qualified in the natural to take on anything, right? But we are, just like David or just like the Israelites that came out of Egypt, we absolutely are anointed by the Holy Spirit to take a step and watch the Holy Spirit move and do something incredible as we face the giant. You know, I, you go back to just the giants that have been defeated, just all of the exploits that were done in the Bible. And the truth is that every one of our lives has the potential to be as incredible as any of those stories. I said there could be like a first and second Tracy. That's just the story of her life, the story of what God has done through her life, the way he has shown up, the way he has proven himself to be who he is. And so I just felt like it was time to square off against the giants look at them in the face, and uh, watch them disappear. Watch them disappear. Just by the sheer power of God, working in our lives, following his uh, lead, and doing what he tells us to do, and just being willing to stand and confront that thing. Right? Now, I have heard, now how many of you have at least can just identify at least one giant in your life that you know needs to come down? I mean, most most believers can, right? Because we... Right? I mean, it's true. We're not. We're in a war. We're not battling flesh and blood, but we are uh, fighting for the invasion of heaven in the earth. And so, you know, people think, you know, just because you you get a prophecy or just because you you have this destiny on your life. I mean, I get it all the time. People think that just because you have a prophecy or a word from God or a call, they actually think that if it's not working in your life, that you're doing something wrong. When the truth of the matter is, if it's not working, it could mean that you are absolutely doing something right. You know, when Jesus told the disciples to cross over to the other side, a storm came up. And see, only people who know who they are make it to the other side. Only people who know who they are make it to the other side. Storms will test the degree of sonship in your life. It will degree, it, it, storms and circumstances and giants test our identities. 
They test who we are. Just like Jesus went into the wilderness and the Satan was bombarding him with all of this stuff about proving who he was, proving who he was. The enemy is always getting up, testing our identity to see if we know who we are. And see, sons speak. Sons stand up and they speak to giants. They speak to circumstances. They speak to disease. They speak to poverty. They speak to mountains. They speak. Their first response is speak. And what comes out of them is the kingdom. All Jesus had to say was peace to that storm. One word, peace. One word, peace. I mean, one word. And you know, one, that one word, peace, the Jewish word shalom, the Greek word sozo, it's everything that is the character of God. Peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. It is everything that heaven is. When he said peace, I mean, the point is, when I say we're anointed to face the giants, you are sons. Even though you're a woman, I get it. But you know, there's neither male nor female in Christ. There's neither Greek nor Jew. I get that, that that is a foreign concept to our minds. But in Christ, all, we are one. We are one in Christ. We are one in Christ. We are members of one another. And it's not some kind of genderless, you know, pansexual weirdo thing. It's just a, it's a God thing. It's a God identity. It's a Christ identity. It's a son identity that we step into that is our, the root of who we are. It's the core of who we are. Then, of course, it expresses itself through masculinity or femininity in our lives. But if we don't, if we don't recognize that we all have the same spirit and that we all have access to the exact same daddy and the exact same uh, person of the Holy Spirit, you know, we, 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 th- we know this is true intellectually. We know this. We've read the scripture. I mean, unless you're a brand new baby Christian, we have read the scriptures. We have read these things. But it is time to believe them, and it is time to step into a new level of sonship, a new level of manifestation. And let me tell you, the temptation is always to get your eyes on yourself. It's always to get your eyes on yourself and what you're doing wrong and what's wrong with you and how you got yourself into this mess. Or, I mean, that's the, the enemy is always tempting us to look at an identity that is other than who we are in Christ. And you notice, Jesus didn't identify with Joseph and Mary. He didn't say, I am the son of Mary. <laughs> right? I'm the son of Joseph. I mean, I, he didn't have, I mean, he had a natural lineage, the son of David. And they, they would say, son of David, son of David. But he was the son of God. And you are sons of God. You are ch- children of Elohim, children of the creator of all things, creator of the one that, that said, let there be light. You are, you are made in his image. You are recreated in Christ for good works. And those good works are not feeding the poor. They are, but maybe you're not feeding them naturally. I mean, it's not just natural good works. I mean, absolutely, there's nothing wrong with natural good works, but you have a supernatural provider that lives inside of you. You have a supernatural father. You have access to unseen resources and unlimited uh, potential. And so there are no dreams that are too big. There are no visions that are impossible. There are no impossibilities for your life, only in your mind, only in our minds, only in our minds. And so I I wanted to start a, a summer series, and I don't know what we'll do in the fall. We'll do whatever Holy Spirit says, because we need to be more supernaturally minded. We need to be more, uh, we need to be reminded we need to be reminded. And there, I just feel like there's very few places right now in, in this region where you can go and just get pure, unadulterated, supernatural speak, <laughs> which is just going to be pure supernatural, which is just going to remind you who you are, remind you of the gospel, remind you of your union with God, help you get out of this whole uh, identity that's separated from God. You're not separated from God. You're never separated from God. I saw some mess on Facebook. I mean, I, I have to almost stay off of Facebook. I'm telling you. I, you wonder why I'm not more active on Facebook? Because I'm afraid if I start, I'm not going to stop. I, I get so irritated with the garbage. The, it's garbage. Paul said, if you preach another gospel besides Jesus Christ crucified, let, your be, let you be cursed. Now, I'm not in the business of cursing people, but there is garbage that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I literally read something this week that said something like, God won't stop loving you if you sin, but his presence will leave you. It was basically something like that. And this was at a youth conference 
with thousands and thousands of young people. And this is the message that they're hearing. And I just sit back and I think, it's a performance-based, performance-based relationship with God. A self-effort, self-righteous, I'm going to perform for the anointing. I'm going to perform for the presence of God. I'm going to be a good boy. I'm going to be a good boy and maybe, maybe Holy Spirit will hang out with me. I'm going to be a good girl, which by the way, I can't even be apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power to overcome sin. So what, I've got to overcome the sin so the Holy Spirit can hang out with me instead of the Holy Spirit hanging out with me and through his power overcoming sin. Do you see what I, I mean? This is everywhere. It's everywhere and it's subtle and it is a subtle little, it's like, it, and it'll be, I mean, you know what guys, it's as subtle as tithing. I mean, how, when's the last time you heard a sermon about tithing and how you've got to tithe to be blessed from God by God? No, you're already blessed. So therefore you tithe. You're already blessed. You're already rich. You can't, it's impossible for you to run out. And the tithe is just proof that you believe it. The tithe is proof that God is your source. And it's, it's, a, it's an act of faith that says, I cannot run out. It's an act of faith that says, you are my source. I mean, Abraham tithed well before the law, well before it was ever a concept. It's just a, and, and by the way, 10%, I mean, all of it. I mean, you can't, I mean, you're one with almighty God. The silver is his. Well, guess what? The silver is yours. The gold is his. Well, guess what? The gold is yours. Why? Because you're a joint heir with Jesus. And you have access to an unlimited amount of finances. And the only reason we have any lack in our lives is because we don't actually believe that. At a subconscious level, at the level that when it comes in our, a symptom of lack comes in our lives, we laugh at it, we don't get all depressed, we don't get all upset, we don't get all worried. Why? Because our emotions tell us what we believe. Our emotions are an indication of what we believe. And I'm not, I'm not that, there's no condemnation. That's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is that they are actually here to help our unbelief. They actually came down to the human condition and, and, and gave us this glorious new birth and this glorious new existence and then stayed with us in the form of our helper so that, so that, so that the things that belong to Jesus, Holy Spirit could manifest to us and he could lead and guide us into all truth so that the truth could set us free. We have a helper that helps us experience what has been done to us. That's the Holy Spirit. What's what he does? He helps us. He convicts us of righteousness. Of righteousness. He comes and says, you are righteous. I know you're acting like a fool. I see you acting like a fool. You forgot who you were. Don't be a fool. You're a king. You're a priest. You're a princess. You're a son. You're amazing. You are filled with glory. You forgot. You forgot who you are. Or you never knew who you were. Wake up. Wake up. The glory's inside of you. You're blessed. You're chosen. You're anointed. You are loved. And you can't do anything about it. So you might as well believe it because you can't change it. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. He's not a finger pointer. He's not the accuser of the brethren, although he gets accused of being the accuser of the brethren. The enemy is always trying to put his character on God and trying to get us to earn something that we already have. Trying to get us to work for something that already belongs to us. You cannot work for something you already have. You cannot, you cannot, you can't, you can't receive something you already have. All you can do is believe. <laughs> believe that you have it. Just believe that you have it. And I'm telling you, I get it. It's a fight. It's called the fight of faith. This is a fight for what we believe. This is a fight for our, our minds. This is a fight for the way we, we think. This is a battle of the mind. That's why the word says, you know what? Don't be conformed to the, 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 
don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and I, I know I preach on it all the time, but that Greek word for transformed is the, the Greek word metamorpho, which we get like the, the English word metamorphosis from. But it's a better translation to actually say transfigured. Be transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Be, re, be transfigured. I mean, let what is inside of you be seen outside of you as you change your thinking. Everything in the kingdom, once you've heard the gospel, is about upgrading your thinking. All of it. All of it. It is a mind renewal project. That is all the, that's the only project we have. Because it's finished. It's finished. I mean, think about it. I mean, every... I mean, even, I, was, I was reading Galatians today out of the um, Passion Translation, which if you don't have the Passion Translation, you, need to, you just need to receive that. You need to get that. It is the most incredible translation of the Bible. I love it because it's, for me, it's like the voice does too sometimes, but the, I thought I brought one with me, but I guess I left it at home. But I have it on my, I have it on iBooks. I've got it electronically. I've got every, you know, every book he's got. Because it is such, I mean, it is the kind, first of all, when you read it, you don't even feel like you're reading the Bible. Which, I mean, that can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. But, you know, because we've, I don't know, the Bible has been so, we just all have, we, we actually need to renew our mind about the Bible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, we all have ideas about the Bible, you know? And so for me, the passion is kind of like this breath of fresh air that cuts through Whatever my thing, whatever, whatever it is, I don't even know what it is, but I, when I pick it up, it's fresh. And it, it, because it's also like, maybe it's just the simple fact that they're individual books instead of a whole big Bible. Maybe the fact that I read, I'm reading the epistles from Paul right now, and it's just called Love Letters from Heaven, right? And there's Galatians is the first one in there, and, and, it, and he starts it out, and it's just, it's got a modern language, but it's got the language of union. It has the language of union, and that language has got to get out there. <laughs> I mean, this is the foundation of the gospel. Our union with God is, I mean, you should write this down. My union with God is the foundation of the gospel. It's, it's, the, it's the purpose of the gospel. I mean, the purpose, Jesus, I mean, people preach it like he came to, so we'd go to heaven. That's the way a lot of times the gospel's presented. Like the God, Jesus came so you could go to heaven. No, Jesus came so heaven could get in you. <laughs> Jesus came so that heaven could get in you, not you get in heaven. And that heaven is in you now. It's not something that happens when you die. Because by the way, you're never going to die. That's also the gospel. You're not dying. Death is an illusion. Just like a lot of the reality that we live in every day. And we've been taught to fear death. I mean, we have been programmed to die. We've been programmed with sickness. We've been programmed with a lot of things in this world, this world system. But the gospel is first and foremost about God getting inside of you. And you getting inside of God. This is a, that's a marriage. It's a picture of union. It's the bride. It's the body. This is a picture of oneness with God. And I'm telling you, when you start to get a hold of your union with God, it will tra- talk about transfiguration, transformation. And, and let me tell you, it is a fight. It is a fight to stay in that place of union with God. That's what abiding is. It's remaining in him. Remain in me. Remain in my love. And I will remain in you. It's not that he's leaving you. It's just when you aren't remaining in him and you aren't aware of it, you might as well not, ex- you might as well not have it. Because your awareness dictates what you experience. Our minds, where our mind goes, our experiences go. And so abiding is all, it's, it's, it's the same thing as kind of like, you know, what Brother Lawrence was tapping into when he said practice the presence of God. But for me, that always felt so, I don't know, like just not, I couldn't grab onto it. Practice the, the presence well, the presence is a person. It's Holy Spirit. It's not a not just a. He's a person. It's the spirit of the, of our Father. It's the spirit of Jesus. It's a person. And when we practice the presence, we again, it just felt so. I just it was hard for me to grab onto that. But when I when I got at this idea of 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 union with God, 
And I started realizing I was in Christ and Christ was in me and that you are in Christ. And by the way, we're all, as a, the body, we're in Christ. We're one. You know, and when, you're, when you start to get a feel of that, it's abiding in the vine. It's abiding in Christ. And our imaginations are, are given to us so that the Holy Spirit can enlighten them so that we can experience spiritual realities with spiritual eyes. So, I mean, we can imagine our union. We can imagine, we can meditate scripture. We can, we can experience what, it is, what it's like to abide, to abide in the vine, to be in Christ. Now, I, I know I preach this all the time, but it, unless you're really living out of this reality, and I'm telling you, this reality is under attack. I am under attack. Because I'm called to preach this reality. I am under extreme attack, which means even more so that I have to continue to live in this reality. Paul lived from this reality. Jesus lived from this reality. When he said the Father and I are one, he meant it. He lived it moment by moment by moment by moment. I don't say what the Father's not saying. I only do what the Father is doing. Because he was connected in a living, vital union with his father. And in Christ, we are too. That's why he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide. Now, I know this is like, I mean, even Brother Lawrence, that whole book is about, if you kind of put it in this context, it's about the struggle that he had just to stay aware of God. Just to stay aware of God. Like, what a battle that is. You know? I mean, we just get so caught up in in so many different things. We sleep. And we have to wake up in the morning and we got to start all over again. Right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it is a it's a it's a it's it's a battle. Those that are led by the spirit of the Lord, these are the sons of God. And you know, I really I I used to be um I used to kind of get confused. Like, I didn't even know it was possible. Like, I didn't know how to really be led by the Lord all the time or really stay connected all the time. Like, I I just didn't. I mean, worship, maybe you felt connected, but then you're at home with kids, right? Changing diapers or you're at work or you're going, you know, mowing the grass or you're doing just natural things. And and it's not that the natural, the, ah, what am I trying to say? Because you have to be careful here because it's not like the natural things are bad. We're not Gnostics. We're not saying the spiritual realm is good and the flesh is bad. And then, you know, because Jesus redeemed, he, you know, he reconciled all things to himself. I mean, all things. He's in all things. In him, he holds up all things by the word of his mighty power. So there's the, the material realm is not evil. Your body is not evil. Your body is not evil. Money is not evil. Material things were created by God. To, he said, I give you all things richly to enjoy. So, I mean, the, 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 there, there is not... Are we in a friendly universe or are we in a hostile universe? We are not in a hostile universe. We are not in a... We have have an enemy that is hostile against us. But But the universe is not hostile. It is not hostile. The universe is for the sons of God. It's moaning and groaning. The rocks are crying out. All of creation recognizes who Jesus is and worships. It worships. Creation worships. It's not hostile. It's for us. Even even cursed, it's for us. (laughs) It's for us. God created it for us. And it's wanting to be fully redeemed. And it's crying out for the sons of God to recognize who they are so that it can be redeemed and it can be blessed. I mean, we are called to... Ah, that's, it's, it's, it's a powerful, it's a, that's a powerful shift in our thinking. Just that simple thing that the universe... I mean, the laws of, of the universe are meant to be governed by men. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're cooperating with us. I mean, George Washington Carver, one of my favorite people of all time, is my, one of my favorite people of all time. He was an inventor, an African-American in the, I want to say, around the 40s, 30s. I need to look. I don't know why I don't know that. But he, um, you know, he was a believer and a brilliant guy. And he would go into his laboratory and he would only take his Bible and a journal. And he called it God's Little Workshop. And he would have conversations with God as Mr. Creator. And he would ask Mr. Creator questions. Like one time he said, what is the purpose of the peanut? Now this guy created out of, um, I think it was a soybean, or he might have been the peanut, 350 different products. And he went and testified before Congress about his methods, which basically, I mean, it's on record how he said, my method is God. I hear God. That's my method. And he would go into the God's little workshop and have these conversations. What's the peanut for? And this one particular day, the, the guy came back to him and said, that is way too big for you, little man. Like just the glory of the peanut, he was not going to be able to get his mind around. The glory of a peanut, the potential of a peanut. He said, so reduce the extent and improve the intent. That's what he told him. And then he said, well, can you make milk out of a peanut? And Mr. Creator said, well, what kind of milk do you want? So there's more than one kind of milk. Apparently you can get out of a peanut. He said, well, how about just some, you know, good old Jersey milk, whatever that is. And uh, he said that Mr. Creator then began to take the peanut apart and put it back together for him. Right? And I'm telling you, this guy had, was offered jo- uh, jobs by, you know, B.F. Goodrich and Ford and all these people in his day. And he had a call of God on his life. He said this. He said he had a call of God on his life that he was there to revitalize uh, the economic destiny of the South, which was a cotton crop at the time, which was oppressive, obviously, to, to African Americans. And so he, he actually switched at that, that day uh, the cotton-based crops to soybean. I mean, just, but he had a call from God on his life. And he did it how? Through intimacy with God. Through intimacy with God. God is knowable. And that's really the quest of our lives. The quest of our lives is to know God. And from that place, and guess what? We get to know him from the inside out. I'm telling you, this, this is the foundation of the gospel. And all of the Bible has to be read through the lens of union. It doesn't make sense apart from the lens of union. And I'll tell you, you will struggle. We will struggle in our relationship with God until we get established in this fact. We will live as separated. We will, we will feel things. We will just, we'll struggle. We will struggle. We'll struggle with condemnation. We'll struggle with feelings of unworthiness, which those things hinder us from operating in our, from using our inheritance, which we, we, have an, we have an obligation here. The world needs what's inside of us. I mean, we don't need to be thinking about money, how to pay our bills. We got work to do. We got work to do. We have people to bless, devil butt to kick, you know? Sick people to heal. Orphanages to build. I mean, we have things to do. Amen? And when I look at Jesus' life, when I read the Gospels, the key, the key, the key, I mean, I really believe this with all my heart, there's really only one key. Now, I know we'll go to a conference next month, and we're going to hear 15 principles for whatever the conference is about. I get that there are principles in the kingdom. And I'm not saying that those are not real. But what I'm saying is, if you'll live in union with your father, you will be working principles that you don't even know. I don't believe Jesus was working principles. He was working principles. But it wasn't because he understood principles. And he was just operating out of principles. No, he was operating out of union with his father, and what he did became a principle. New Agers operate out of principle. And they know the principles of the kingdom. And the principles are right. 
And I'm not saying that they won't work. But it's religion. It's religion. It's subtle, but it is religion. Am I against principles? I'm following a person. I'm not following principles. And I'll say this. Jesus, you know, he, there's some things that he did that upset a lot of people. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he was a, he was a controversial guy. Can we all agree with that? And the religious spirit does not like, did not like him very much. Matter of fact, it was religion that crucified him. It was religion that crucified Jesus. And religion is still, still out to crucify Jesus. The actual, authentic, the authentic representation of Jesus. Why? Because it is offensive. It is offensive when you don't earn something. It is offensive when you when people get what they don't deserve. I, I know that maybe that, that doesn't make sense right this minute, but, I, you know, if you've ever got something you didn't deserve, like really didn't get something, that, I mean, really. I mean, I mean, I have got a lot of stuff I have not deserved. And I have made a lot of people mad. And I've had a lot of people really try to get me to deserve it. And I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I would love to be able to deserve it. I would, you know, maybe, maybe, but the problem is if you start to feel good about yourself based upon yourself, well, guess what? You're going to feel bad about yourself based upon yourself. (laughs) That's why flattery, it can be very, very, you know, if flattery makes you feel good, well, then criticism is going to make you feel bad. You know? And so it really comes with all or nothing. It comes with, hey, you know what? <laughs> Either I'm going to be righteous in Christ and Christ alone, meaning I'm going to have a righteousness that is a gift from God that is not based on anything within me, or I'm not. It's not, it's not Jesus plus anything. It's not Jesus plus anything that I do. Well, so at least you have to believe. You know, you can't even do that apart from grace. I mean, Jesus said no man, no man can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. I mean, we're, we're trying, you, we can't work. I mean, there is no human work that we can do to deserve the goodness of God. And union is when it makes sense. When you step into Christ, all of a sudden your life is hidden in Christ. You're complete in Christ. You're perfected in Christ. You are holy. You are blameless in Christ. Your identity starts to make sense. There's no condemnation for them that are in Christ. Why? Because you're hidden in there. Where are you? I can't see you anymore. I just see Jesus. Judge no man after the flesh. Wow. And so it's, it's that getting inside of Christ and finding that place and resting in that and letting the blood of Jesus cleanse our, cleanse our conscience from dead works and letting the Holy Spirit replace lies that we've believed with truth so that we can experience righteousness. It says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Righteousness is a remedy for sin. Awakening to your true identity is the is the is the remedy for what ails us. And no matter what it is. And I'll tell you some of the giants that we're facing are really the biggest identity crises of our lives. They're identity crises. They're the place where your identity has not been fully established. And so that's how the enemy steals. Because we don't really, really believe yet. Yet. We don't really believe yet that we are who God has made us to be. 
And trust me, we're behaving out of our old mindsets. We're behaving out of wherever our little mind renewal project is at the moment. And so our behavior many times will very much reinforce what we believe because it is what we believe. But the Holy Spirit is right there to upgrade your thinking, to upgrade my thinking so that we can get a new perspective of ourselves, a a new uh, belief, belief, because the behavior will come out of the belief. The manifestation comes out of the belief. The woman with the issue of blood just said, if I can just touch his garment, I shall be healed. Right? So she just was acting out of what she believed. She believed, if I touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. So her behavior came out of that belief. And the manifestation came out of what she believed. And that's why Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? He was always asking that question. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe it? And then one guy was like, help my unbelief. Great prayer, great prayer, great prayer. And I love the fact that Jesus did it anyway. Because I guess the, just you just need a mustard seed. And so make just the idea that he knew he had unbelief was enough. Am I making sense? Well, yeah, because, I mean, here's the thing. With, here's the thing with giving. If you actually believe that you can't run out, I'm just going to, let's just that one programmed belief that all of us have been programmed with. It's a lack scarcity belief. Do you think Jesus believed he was going to run out? Do you think Jesus could have run out? I mean, over and over and over again in the Bible, does the Father not prove himself to be a supernatural provider? Whether it's manna, right? Whether it's the widow woman and her last meal, right? Whether it's the quail coming in the middle of the the wilderness, whether it's the multiplying of the, the fish and the bread, whether it's, I mean, over and over and over again. Over and over. And I know there was, you know, right? I mean, he's a, he's a supernatural provider. I remember that's, there's that one story. I mean, there's just a lot of stories in the word about the father being a supernatural provider. But here's the, here's the truth. Okay, you want to hear the truth? Okay. It is illegal in the kingdom for you to run out. Now, until you believe that, you will run out. It is illegal in the kingdom for you to run out. But let me just, this is just in this area. This is just this area. It's illegal in the kingdom for you to run out. But see, fear and finances. Fear and finances. I've been saying this. Fear is faith. Now, people say it different ways. They might say fear is faith in reverse or fear is faith in the opposite direction. They might say stuff like that. But let me just say it a different way. What what you fear, you have faith in. If you fear a snake, you have faith in that snake's ability to kill you. What you fear, you have faith in. And if you fear running out, well, you've got faith and running out. Now, let me tell you this. What I'm telling you right now, the enemy has a vested interest in you never getting this. This one revelation will strip his control of your life through money. How do I know? Because I've been walking this out for about 15 years. And, you know, I think I've heard this preached one other time my entire Christian life. I've heard a lot of things about finances. But this particular master truth of the kingdom, that Jesus became poverty, he became poverty just as much as he became sin. He became poverty just as much as he became sickness. He became the curse. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. 
He became the curse. He became sin. He became these things on the cross. He absorbed them into his body. Is, am I preaching the gospel? Does everybody understand what? I mean, you heard enough scriptures. I mean, because I can go look, th- look these things up. But, you know, it, it says that through his poverty, right? He became poor. That through his poverty, we might be rich. He became sin. Who knew no sin? That, right? That we might become the righteousness of God. By his stripes, we were healed. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, to restore sight to the blind. He became, he came, he was the last Adam. He came to undo the effects of what Adam had done. And he came to usher in the kingdom. He came preaching, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not the kingdom of heaven is coming. I'm going to die, I'm going to come back, but then I'm going to come again. And when I come again, I'm going to bring my kingdom. No, the kingdom showed up when he was born. Now, are we fully going to, you know, I mean, I, I, I personally believe that Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. I believe he's coming back for a victorious church. I don't believe he's coming back for, you know, the church that's been beheaded by Damien. Because I actually believe what Paul wrote in Ephesians. I believe that we're seated far above in Christ far above powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. I believe that what Jesus accomplished on the cross was actually accomplished. And I always say if Damien or the Antichrist comes in here, he's getting delivered. And I'm not kidding because the greater one lives in me. And that is true. That is true. And if the Antichrist starts to rule the world, it's because the church doesn't know who she is. And if I was the Antichrist, that's exactly the message I'd be preaching. I'd be preaching how powerful I was and how weak the church was so that I could deceive her into giving me what belongs to her. I would believe left behind. If I, I would preach left behind if I was Satan. That would be what I would preach. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's a powerless church. It's brilliant. And you know what it does? It instills fear in the church. That is not who we are. We need to stand up. And dear God, if we get martyred where we're going to go, I mean, you know how many martyrs couldn't even get martyred? For every martyr you read about in the, in, in the church history that got martyred, there's another hundred who couldn't get killed. They put them down in oil and they wouldn't die. Put them down in oil, wouldn't die. I mean, there's unbelievable stories about people that couldn't get killed. It's according to your faith. It's according to your faith. And I'm just going to believe big. I'm going to believe John G. Lake big. I'm going to believe that disease, when it touches my body, it's going to die. I'm going to believe that I have billions of dollars in the bank. I'm going to believe big. But this one truth, gosh, man, I'm going to teach it. I'm going to do a whole series on developing a wealth mindset sometime this year. In Jesus' name, I'm doing it. Um, But this one lie that you can run out. I mean, trust me, I have lived. I have not lived completely in this reality yet. Yet. But I have tasted enough of this reality to tell you this is real. This is real. And I can tell you that the enemy is after this with everything he's got. There's, there's a combination. It's righteousness. It's just a righteousness. It's a righteousness that is so bold, it looks like arrogance. But it's a righteousness that has said it has become free of anything that is not Jesus. It's a righteousness where that accuser cannot point at you and say, you didn't mimic, or you didn't mimic, or you should mimic, 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 whatever it's saying, it just gets right back in its face and says, it's not about me. It's about the cross. It's about what Jesus did. It's about what he defeated. And it resists. And it gets violent about it. It gets angry about it. You know, and it's funny, sometimes we can get more established sometimes of this in our lives and healing seems like. But money, we're just taught to earn it. 
And I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job. I'm not saying that. You, we have an assignment. We have assignments all over the place. God's going to put you in a place to be a blessing. But you are not limited by that. There is a way right now for every person in this room. I'm telling you right now, there is a way right now for you to be a millionaire. And I'm talking in a short amount of time. I don't know what it is, but you think the father doesn't? You think the father doesn't have a strategy? Or a way? I know he does. Why am I saying all this? Because it's an illusion. And we have a supernatural provider, but we also have a father that has incredible wisdom. Incredible wisdom. But how would we give if we really believed we would, could never run out? How would we? Of course, I mean, it would, you wouldn't even have to preach on tithing. You just, just get people to believe they're not going to run out. Because inherently, we want to give. Inherently, we have, the, we have the character of Jesus inside of us. Inherently, we are givers. We don't have to talk believers into being givers. Believers are givers. Jesus is the giver. We're givers. We're givers by nature. I don't have to teach you to be, be kind. You know, in, you know inherently kindness is what you want. That's why when we aren't kind, we, we know, oh, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we have a problem with it when we're not kind. So it's not a nature issue. It's a belief issue. Whew, that's some good gospel right there, isn't it? In the, in the kingdom, we get rewarded based on faith. Faith. It's about faith. But it, faith, it's faith. It, it, but faith can get to be a work if you're not careful. But faith is what's required in the kingdom. That's all. Belief. What must I do to be working the works of God? Believe in the one that's sent. It's belief. Abraham, the father of faith, believed and it was accounted for him righteousness. Belief and faith. You believe. You believe in the kingdom. That's all you do. You just believe. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes. Reward. You man, you, it's a belief. But you, you get what you believe in the kingdom. You don't get what you earn. Yeah, and blessed are those who believe and haven't seen. I mean, it, the kingdom is a belief-based system. You believe. Believe in Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And repentance is about believing. It's about changing your mind. Repent. Believe the gospel. Believe the God. Believe the good news. Believe. And what's the good news? It's all free. <laughs> That's the good news. It's all free. Believe. Believe it's all free. And then it's free. I mean, you, you believe in the kingdom. We don't earn, we believe. And that's why circumstances kick our butts is because they're so, they're, they're, they're accusatory. You know, they're, they're tempting. They're tempting you to believe something. And see, the enemy knows this. The enemy knows that what you believe is what matters. So he's, at, he's also using, of course, the, you know, it's what it's called unbelief. The Israelites couldn't get into the promised land, but not because they didn't earn their way in. It's because they didn't believe. They believed more in the giants. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They believed God took them out of the wilderness or Moses led them out into the wilderness to kill them. They, 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 Adam and Eve, they believed. They believed that they had to hide from the presence of God. They believed the enemy. They believe it's, it's, it's a belief issue. And I'm telling you, I mean, just in the area of finances, we all believe something. We believe a lot of stuff about money. We have a subconscious belief about how much we are okay to have. There is a math. This, this is, this is a, just, if you're going to enter into this, 
which we all are called to enter into this, just, just buckle your seatbelt, okay? Because the enemy, he will test this. He will test it with everything he's got. Do you really believe this? Do you really believe this? Because it's always, it's always about defaulting back to trying to earn it. Always about that. Are you going to go back and try to earn it? Is it going to be about you and about whatever, your, your stewardship or your good decisions or your false decisions or your wisdom or your whatever that is, right? And the truth is our daddy is way too, t- way too rich. He's way too rich for us to even actually begin to try to get our little pea brain around it. And that's why union and doing what he says and not being defined by money and just being staying in that place where, you know what, whatever he says, just do it, is the only place of safety. I mean, because really, we want to, I, I believe that we're just called to do what he says to do. And it's just a poverty mentality that worries in the first place. And if you really just, I mean, I, I just try, I try to imagine sometimes what it would, what it would be like to, to think like God and literally think like you could never run out. Hallelujah. Awesome. So let me just say this too. Um, passivity. All right? It, there's something about just being passive versus being aggressive in the sense that we tolerate things in our lives. We tolerate things. We just, we become so accustomed to them. It's just like they're normal. And so we just tolerate them. And we, we, the tolerance is, is, is a fruit that we actually believe it. We just, we just tolerate it. And I, I believe this summer is really an invitation to look at some things that you've been tolerating that you need to quit tolerating. This is not a part of my inheritance in Christ. Jesus actually absorbed this mess in his body, and it has no legal right to be in my life. And so why is it in my life? In Jesus' name, it's got to go. I, in Jesus' name, I'm not in agreement with this, and it's got to go. And I'm not going to be passive about I'm saying, in Jesus' name, it's got to go. And open up your mouth and start to speak to the mountains and start to speak to the fig tree and start to speak to the, to the things, to the symptoms the, of, of things in our lives that, that are, don't have any authority to be there except what we have given them. Right? And I get that this is, oh, ah, you know, it, it takes the grace of Jesus to do this. I mean, this is, the thing, ah, just thank you, Lord, for just a culture of, of whew, just fired upness. I don't know what else to call it. Where you're just fired up. Like we need to get fired up. We need to, we need to get fired up and stay fired up. We need to, what I don't, you know, I mean, let's, whoo, we need a pep rally. <laughs> we need a pep rally. Then we need another pep rally, another pep rally until we are, got our pep going. Because it is time. It is time to, to get in the game. To get in the game and, 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 and take what belongs to us in Jesus' name. To go up at once. For we are well able to overtake it. And I know it for me. I mean, that this giant that I'm dealing with, I got to look at it the other day. It looks like a hillbilly. Got some blacked out teeth. I mean, this poor guy. If I didn't, you know, if he wasn't the enemy, I might have felt sorry for him. I've never seen a demon that I really didn't feel like that about, though. Never. If they ever try to exalt themselves and make them look scary or powerful or something, just know that is a big, fat lie. They don't, they, they, that's a lie. You just need to take authority over that and be like, you know what, I know that's what you wish you, what you wish you look like. Like, I know that's what you're trying to project over here in your little Halloween costume and your little horror movie that you're trying to project over here to me. But you know what? You were disarmed. You were made an open display. <laughs> I, I don't know who you think you're fooling because you're not fooling me. Right? You have no power. You have no authority. 
I, I, I almost feel sorry for you. I tell them that. I almost feel sorry for you. I feel sorry you've got to like masquerade. You've got to pretend to be powerful. You've got to exalt yourself over the knowledge of God. Like, that's pathetic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got so, you know, your butt kicked. But you must be really stupid because who would go against Jesus and God? Like, I don't get it. You know? And I tell you, the more you really get that, the more you, we get pepped up, but honestly, the more you can rest a little bit because you know it's just an illusion. And this thing, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you that you won't have like an emotional, you know, garden of Gethsemane, <laughs> right? Where you're in there just, uh, duh, you know, because it's, it's pressure. It's pressure. And it's pressure about what's going to come out of you and what are you going to believe, And what you believe under pressure is what you believe. And what comes out of you under pressure is an indication of what you believe. And I'm telling you, some of these giants, we've been dealing with them a while, but I'm telling you, it's not going to get, they're they're coming down because what you believe is changing. What I believe is changing because the Holy Spirit is engaged with us, right? And really, it's just a spirit of Joshua and a spirit of Caleb, (laughs) It's just that spirit that says, you know what? I see there might be some big old grapes and some, some looks like they're, they're fit for a giant. Like giants eat big grapes, apparently. They eat big fruit. I get that they're big. I get that it's real. I get that the mountain in front of me is a big mountain. I get these are real. I, I get this is a real doctor's report. I get that, you know, this is an impossible situation for me to handle. I get that. I, it's an impossible. This is a naturally impossible situation. And I hope everybody, I don't mean this negatively, but I hope everybody's got at least one of those in their lives right now. Not because I'm wishing evil on you. I'm wishing the Son of God in you to stand up. I want the Son of God to be revealed. And guess what? The Son of God in you doesn't get revealed in in, in something you can do naturally. Something you can handle is not going to reveal the glory of God. Only the giants reveal the glory of God. Only the things that you face that are bigger than you reveal who you are, who you really are. They reveal your potential. And we just want all these wonderful natural, you know, circumstances and bliss to follow us along so we can live naturally. And you're not designed to live naturally. You're designed to live supernaturally. And the heaven is designed to invade earth through you. And so we need to quit feeling sorry for ourselves. That's a victim mentality. You're not a victim. I'm not a victim. Right? We need to get out of that. We need to get out of the idea that we are a victim to these situations. No, we are, we are victors. And this situation is designed to reveal who you are, and it will reveal who you are, and you will have the victory because you're not quitting. I saw that stupid giant. I mean, I did. I almost felt sorry for it, and then I just didn't even know what to do with it. You know, you just looked at it, and you thought, well, that is just, that's what's been stealing from me. I mean, talk, I mean, he was a hillbilly. He was a real hillbilly. I didn't know they had hillbilly demons, but I guess they do. I'm going to get some more revelation about that, but yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, I know why they do like seven-day meetings or those revivals or whatever, because sometimes you need to hear it. You know, you need to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it because you come out of here on Sunday, and then you got to go back to normal life on Monday. You know, and it's not that God moves more, like if you do that or something, like we're working for a move of God, it's just, it moves us. It gets us out of that complacency and out of that passivity and into fight, into belief mode, right? All right. Well, Father, we thank you for tonight. And I thank you for uh, just what you've spoken. I thank you for directions and I thank you for encouragement. I thank you for... um, increased clarity. And um, I thank you for the move of God that we are in the midst of that is about just to continue. It's just a continuation, Lord. And I thank you that we're keeping going. I thank you that we know the next step. 
And I thank you that we're taking it by your grace. And I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that we face that is a match for the Christ in us. I thank you that we are ready for anything, that we are self-sufficient, it says, in your sufficiency. And, Father, we have what it takes to go the distance because you are in us. And we have access to all that you are. Thank you for the spirit of might coming on those that are weary, Father. Thank you for just encouragement of all kinds. Father, you know what we need to stay strengthened and to resist the enemy. And so we just release that strength. We release that encouragement. We release edification. We just release uh, the glory of God in those areas of our hearts that need light. And uh, Father, we thank you for the victory. And we thank you that it's already finished. Thank you that it's already finished. Thank you that the giants have already fallen. Thank you that we already have the victory. Thank you that we can sit down and in the victory right now. We can trust you that you're going to finish the good work you began. And really, you know, this is just the exciting part of seeing it manifest. But it's already finished. It's already done. It's already done. It's already done. Thank you. It's already done. And it's just an adventure to see how you're going to do it. How you're going to do what's already done. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. Bless you.